Well, thank you for coming. I thought maybe we'd start with prayer because I feel like I need it <laughs> big time. So if you would bow with me, Lord, we come before you today and we just are, um, we're yours. We belong to you. And um, we are just going to glean from each other um, what you have for us today. I just pray that through laughter and just the, the feeling that we get it because we're all in it together, that we would remember that you are the one who bolsters us. You are the one we turn to for peace instead of fear. You're the one who um, gives us the next steps. Um, and you are the one who gives us wisdom and discernment with our kids. So we pray, Father, for your hand um, to be in our lives as we just seek to follow you each day. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, good. Thank you for coming. My name is Jane, and um, I have three daughters and a son. So this is, they sat in order. How nice. This is the oldest, and I'm going to let her, inter I'm going to let them introduce themselves because they could do better than I can. So... Go for it. Who are you? What do you do? You know. I'm Megan. I'm not a Romberger anymore, but Megan Etter. And um, it's so fun to be a Mount Herman this week. Um, but anyway, so I live in Denver. My husband and I live in Denver in Parker, Colorado, actually. It's a little south of the city. And I work at Open Door Ministries, which is a nonprofit. Um, I do communications, fundraising, and different things. So, yeah, that's me. I am Aubrey. I am still a Romberger, and I also live in Parker, Colorado. I am currently the um, general merchandise team lead for a super target um, out there in Parker. So I oversee everything in the store that's not grocery or clothing. We do everything else, um, and that keeps us really, really busy. <laughs> I'm Noelle. Sorry. Um, and uh, I, for the last eight month, months, have been living here working in the bookstore and at my church, uh, Vintage Faith, Faith Church in Santa Cruz, uh, as uh, the leader over the college group. And I will be going back to Moody Bible Institute in two and a half weeks. Uh, I'm so excited. Um, but I, uh, and I'm studying uh, vocal music there. Okay, and then I thought this might be helpful for questions. So if you could tell us just a little bit about your personality type, like, because that kind of, you could tell, oh, yeah, that could be really fun if you can be kind. Never mind. <laughs> I said there's going to be lots of laughter. You can tell about yourselves. Okay, just a little bit so people kind of know what, what I'm dealing with. Oh man, spur of the moment, but um, I was always more of the quiet type um, and a rule follower. Um, you like to read? I like to read. I don't really know what else to say, honestly. What happens in the morning? I, I'm much better now. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Grumpy in the mornings. Tired in the mornings. We always told, we always learned with Megan, you don't talk to Megan until she talks to you in the morning, right? She has other really good traits, though. Um, I like to be outside. I like to do a lot of things very fast-paced. Um, I don't know. I process very quickly, and I am not a verbal processor. I don't have quite as many words. Um, as she looks at her sister. <laughs> 
what else do you yeah, want? Yeah, no, that's good. No, Aubrey was the kind you had to pry it open to get it out. But it took an hour to pry it open, and then you'd get some stuff out, probably. As mentioned, I'm a verbal processor, <laughs> a major verbal processor. I have a lot of words, and I'm very creative and musical, so I like art, photography, music, um, all that kind of stuff. Love, I'm very social, very extroverted. I love being with people, and so academics can be harder for me <laughs> um, because I love school with the social extracurricular stuff but the studying part not so much dad laughs dad's in the back she once told us that she really likes school except for the academics yeah 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 good um and then one more quick question that might help as we ask questions how do you like if you did the five love languages how do you receive love and how do you give love? You don't have to do a long explanation, but just how do you receive it? How do you give it? I think I receive more with words of affirmation um, and give more probably with quality time. I am both a giver and receiver of quality time. Um, I am a giver of gifts and I am a receiver of physical touch. Um, quality time <laughs> for both ways for me and I gift giving gifts is definitely my giving language love language too but I just if people want to spend time with me that means a lot and I love spending time with people so the extrovert and what would you say moms is Access service. Service. Oh, see, yeah. they know. Yeah. I know. So, like, when they picked up their room, I'd be like, oh, they love me. You know, and when they didn't, it's like, what is wrong? They don't love me. They don't appreciate me. You know, oh, I don't need this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. All right. So, we just, this idea to have them come, we, we taught this season in the spring, we did the mother daughter retreats here at Mount Hermon, which are so amazing amazing if you want to come and bring your elementary school kit that's what they're for they have mother-son retreats too so that's next year for me but and there's a father-son retreat yes did I hit them all go Mount Hermon so um but we did um we all at various points were all there and did some an open session of question answers um, and that's really, really tricky. Just want to say, um, scary for me. But I thought maybe I would love to, any questions that you want. But I, I do need to clarify a story. And I want to tell you a few mom fails along the way. When I locked my kids in the car, um, I was putting them in the car with all the groceries after shopping at Costco. I didn't lock them in the car and go shopping. <laughs> Although that could have been a good option back then. Um, and then I, it was a minivan, right? Anybody have that? And I slid that door shut and my purse was on the landing there. Yeah, and that was not a good thing. And I just panicked right away because I knew they were all buckled in and they couldn't unbuckle. 
in those days, those seats, you know? And so it was really cool because, like, people around me who saw me panicking, like a lady got a beach towel out of her car and covered windows so it wouldn't be so hot. And another lady went in and bought them all, like, a slushy thing. I'm like, where's mine? Like, no, no. <laughs> um, and the fire truck came and the police to make sure I wasn't, like locking them in on purpose. Although in those days, when you have three little ones, no. So <laughs> lots of opportunities to be an imperfect mom, right? We all have that. So I thought maybe we'd start off, because I don't want this to be the end, rush, get it in. Um, I want to start off with questions that revolve around following Jesus, OK? So it has to be a question about how uh, faith in our home or um, how they came to know the Lord or how we helped them follow Jesus or how we really screwed it up for them, <laughs> okay? So that's the first set of questions. And then if you say it, actually, whoever holds the mic is going to repeat it so that it's all um, recorded so people can go online and listen. So then we'll have it on the tape, Okay. All right, so first question, and Mike, you can't ask questions. <laughs> Carrie. So in that thread, yes. what's one thing that you would repeat and one thing that you regret? In, parent, in parenting in faith. Okay. For me or them? You. Oh, dang. I go first. Okay, the question is, what is one thing that I would repeat in raising our kids in faith and one thing that I would that regret. regret? Okay. Um, Mm, I got to think about that because that's a big picture question to me. Um, well, I, okay, one thing that I would repeat is just the constant modeling of being in the Word, being in prayer, talking about it with the kids. And we did that, you know, when they rise, when they sit, when they're in the car, when they're buckled in and they can't get out. It's a great opportunity to preach a sermon or teach them about sex when they were buckled in the car and they could, I didn't have to look them in the eye. <laughs> Mom fail. Um, that, would be, that would be just the constant. It's, it's who I am, and so it flows out of in daily conversation. One thing that I wish we would have done differently that I heard from a speaker this summer, and now I'm all about this, so if I could change it, it would have been at the dinner table to have the really hard conversations about faith with the kids so that they got the hard questions from us and not their first college professor or their high school professor in biology. So, and we did talk about some of that stuff, but like, how do you know that God's word is true? And how do you know that it's, I mean, it contradicts each other. It, books contradict, right? You know, the, knowing the history of how it was put together and how, all, and they got some of that in training in school and stuff, but the hard questions of why do bad things happen to good people? And, you know, I don't understand. I don't like your God because the Old Testament, he's mean and vindictive and cruel. And then you tell me of Jesus, who's the substitute for everything. You know, I don't get that. And I don't want any part of a contradictory God. Some of those really tough questions, I wish we would have molded them at the dinner table and, and made our kids figure some of that out before they got into adulthood. Do you guys have any comments on that? No. <laughs> okay. 
That's good. Okay, yes. Say something. What it, the question was, what do you remember being little, as being raised little, um, that sticks in your mind of faith training? I mean, very distinctly, just always going to church was a big thing. Like, we were at church every week, no matter what. So then that always built in me. Like there's, And then coming to Mount Hermon, like, that, those are very distinct things where it's like, these are very intentional things that we do to build our faith. We, we, we learn about Jesus, we go to church on Sunday, we are part of a community of believers, and then as we are at kids in that community, you know, we're learning those faith-based things that shape us in our whole lives. That's, mm-hmm. I don't have like a distinct, like, I learned this one thing, but it was like, I learned how to be a part of the community of Christ, and because of that, I learned who Christ is. Do you have something? Yeah, I think just like a specific time for me, uh, we moved to Colorado when I was eight, and my parents were really big of, really good of explaining to us and, and just talking with us about like their call and the reason why we're moving um, and that that's the Lord's call on their life and what that was going to look like in that process. So I think a big piece of that was being able to see very specifically over and over again of like, this is what God's asking us to do, and this is why we're going to do this. I remember at a pretty young age, understanding the basics of the gospel message. I don't quite remember exactly if it was my mom or dad who shared it um, with me or hearing it at church, probably a combination of all of those. Um, And when I was maybe five or six, I don't know, um, I decided that I wanted to evangelize to our neighbors. Um, And my mom would evangelize to our neighbors as well, probably much more skillfully than I did. Um, But we had a Mormon family who lived next door and um, so got in conversation with uh, their daughter who was my age and basically told her she was going to hell. Um, and she didn't believe in because the same she Jesus. didn't believe in Jesus and that she didn't go to our church. I think in my mind, I kind of associated it with you don't go to our church. So I know that you're going to hell. So, um, anyway, I probably wasn't very kind to my words or, um, tactful. Um, and, Short, long story short, that evening, her dad came over. He was a Mormon bishop, and he was literally shaking and so upset that I would say something like that. Um, and he talked to my dad, and I don't know if you were there too, probably, um, and how, how dare you, you teach your daughter this? Um, and after, you know, it was a few years until our family had a relationship with them again Um, but all that to say what I remember kind of this moment I had with my dad afterwards um, that night he was like so what did you say to Allison and he he basically said hey maybe we can work on how we share this but way to go Um, Megan was always our zealous one. That was the word we used, zealous in her faith. And not that you guys aren't, but she was, as a, from a child up, she was very zealous. And it took a long time to rebuild. They were right next door, like literally, you know how houses in Southern California are built. 
you know, inches apart. And I remember I had Noelle in a baby swing on the back porch. And the neighbor was, we had um, wrought iron fences you could see through. She was out getting her daughter's prom pictures outside. So there's the age difference and of her oldest daughter. And I saw that and I wrote her a letter. And I just said, because she didn't understand grace from her religious upbringing. Grace is not a big piece of that. And so I just said, you know, I know that years ago we had you know, um, some issues with Megan and Allison. And I said, but I just want you to know that as I watch you parent your daughter and how much you love her and you are pouring into her, I see a beautiful relationship there. And I just hope that I have that with my daughters when they get bigger. And then within months, I was teaching her kids piano. (laughs) Next door, I mean, they come over and do piano and I would let them do their Mormon hymns or whatever, but... It was, um, yeah, it was grace to say we love you even though you're different. But but she had the heart that she figured out the Jesus that they worshipped was not her Jesus. That was a different Jesus. So anyway, all right, two more faith questions. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so 14-year-old son who needs encouragement on how to be part of, how, how to encourage him in a way that he'll accept yes. to be part of youth group, to be part of the community of believers. How, how do you guys want to answer? Aubrey? You could scoot over if you want. <laughs> um, so in our house growing up, youth group was not an option. It's something that you went to, um, but they were very good. For Megan and I, we kind of grew up in a different church than Noel and Caleb did because they did a big move and the church numbers drastically increased. Um, and so our much smaller youth group was a little bit harder for us. So we attended youth groups at other churches um, sometimes both, but we found what worked best for us and were able to like be in that community still. Um, but going was never, never an option. It was you will go to youth group while you're living in our house. And it's something we wanted to do. I think it's just sometimes it was hard, and especially being pastor's kids, it was a little bit harder for us to get connected in the ones at our church. We just really wanted them to be in community with people their age. Because in Christian community with people their age. So it could be Youth for Christ. It could be like you did K-Life, which is an organization that's not necessarily in California, but kind of like Youth for Christ. And, and so we just wanted them involved with kids their age, community their age, learning about Jesus. So it didn't have to be our church. And, and that's okay. I mean, when the church exploded, then for the other two... It, a lot of people didn't even know who they were, so it was a, a different ball game for being a pastor's kid. I, I shouldn't say that. My husband, Mike, was a pastor for all the years before we got here, so that's what we did. So, anything you want to add? Yeah, just being involved in like just having like that freedom. Like I did um, 
FCA when I was in high school, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which I wasn't an athlete, but I still did it. <laughs> um, Cute boys. No. <laughs> Where did that come from? There was mostly girls there. What I liked about it is my teachers could be very vocal in the gospel because they met off campus, um, which was really great. Not all FCA groups are like that, but that, that was the way that they modeled it. And me and Caleb both went there my senior year and his freshman year. Like we, and that was, I mean, I was, I loved my youth group and all my friends went to my youth group, but like going to, um, FCA was just like this great community for me that was like outside of my church. And so just having people that you know are all, your age, maybe in the same kind of schooling system, um, for like for me, because public school, that all love Jesus. Yeah, good. Okay, I'm going to move it from faith into training. And and so it kind of can go the same. Did, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's kind of both, kind of training. Yeah, yeah. Here, you know, I'm just going to have you speak the question into here. Then okay. I don't have to repeat it. Okay. So I'm wondering for you ladies, um, maybe some pointers are actually for all of you, on like the transition of... Like you've accepted the Lord, you're part of your family community of faith, you're part of a you know your church community of faith, and then how did maybe you begin your own practices um, that were separate from what you did as a family um, to really strengthen your own walk with the Lord? Good question. That's great. Look, they're grabbing. Okay. Um, so a pivotal moment for me was my junior year of high school. I was a softball player, and I injured my shoulder um, to a point where it's still injured and will be forever. Um, and so sports no longer became an option for me. Um, and so during that time, I definitely went through a phase where I had a lot of questions about identity and what this looked like, and it really limited, uh, like my friend groups were all going to change because I was no longer actively part of all those sports and just the activities I could do. Um, and so through my youth group, I had a couple of mentors um, of just ladies in the church, both married and non-married, who just poured into me and I could ask questions to in a safe place. Um, and actually through Mount Hermon that summer too, and of just figuring out, hey, sports is not my identity. Like my identity is in Christ. And from that moment on is when I really own my faith for myself of really actively pouring into the word and of doing things in the community that was outside of my parents' faith. For me, it was my freshman year of high school. Um, when I got to the freshman youth group, I started reading the Bible on my own um, instead of like it. It was never like we we would do like family devotions, but it was never they would like encourage us to read the word, but they wanted us to do it on our own. So like um, when I got to high school, I finally was just like, okay, I'm gonna read the book of Proverbs, and it was something that my dad had said that he had read that like impacted him when he was young. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so in Proverbs, there's 31 of them, and there's 31 days in a lot of the months, so you can do a proverb a day, like um, a chapter a day. And so I did that. And just would write down a verse that I found interesting. And that really started like my walk with the Lord being my own. And then my youth group empowered me as a leader. And so that also helped um, me to like kind of take initiative. And I think I got, as I want to go into full-time ministry. And I think I, in that year is also when I got that calling. And yeah, and then just, um, I started journaling um, my freshman year, my small group leader gave us all notebooks and I started journaling and the practice really became a discipline when I was in I did a Bible school program when I graduated in Germany and I 
journaled every day and I've journaled every day since. And that's been journaling my prayers and that's been a huge um, way that like my faith has really been like a, a huge way that I communicate with the Lord. I also worked at camp, two summers at a camp in Colorado and two summers here. And that was a huge pivotal moment for me and my faith of being able to teach it to five and unders. Because if you can't teach it to five and unders, you don't truly understand it. So that was a huge piece in my faith walk, too. Go camp. That's good. Yeah. Just a really quick add on to that. I'm thinking about a little later than, you know, the maybe more formative years, but going to college was such a huge moment and really becoming, you know, who I am today. And I was really grateful that I actually had a public school experience all the way through high school. Not that anything else is wrong by any means, um, but that I was able to be around non-Christians. I was able to, um, you know, talk about some of those hard questions, but then have, you know, the church family and the family family to fall back on and um, have support from. But then going to college, I went to Wheaton College in Chicago area. And not everyone who goes to Christian school uh, you know, is a Christian or will follow Christ the rest of their life. Um, but for me in that moment, I think that was when I really engaged in some of those practices on my own. Um, like, wow, this is, this is not just my family saying this stuff. It's uh, my professor's my chaplain, my, you know, all of these people, these new influences in my life. So that was really I remember big. a point in Megan's life to the end of high school where she said something to me, um, or I had said something to her, and she said, Mom, I'm going to consider that, but and I'll take it before the Lord because what he thinks about it is really more important to me now than what you say about it. And I thought, she's ready. She's ready to be on her own. I don't care about peer pressure or any of that if she really cares what the Lord has to say about it. None of the other kids said that, by the way. <laughs> no, they lived it. as fine. Good. Thank you for your question. Whoever asked. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Oh, buddy. I know. Sorry. Um, I'm a single child, and I have four kids. So talking about training, it's kind of multifaceted. Yeah. The interaction between siblings... Good is not such a problem, but bad. Yeah. And then how did you deal with it? Because as she was talking about youth group, I'm trying to figure out, figure it out on your own. You need to learn how to do this. And I'm going to take some control over this because we're not getting there. Right. Good. So I would say as a mom, I'll pass this off, but as a mom, I want to remind you of two things. One, sibling rivalry is normal. Okay? So if you don't have it in your house you are extra blessed because <laughs> seriously, it's a normal part of life because these little ones are born with a sin nature. You know, when they become moms, they lose that, but <laughs> that's why we're here, right? So, but they have that and there it's about me, my toy, you know, my whatever, you know, my clothes, you know, you're on my side of the room. I might have a sister-in-law or two that like taped the center of their room, like don't cross the tape, you know? So it's normal. I, and I want to say, sometimes we need to know that what we're experiencing is normal stuff. You're not abnormal in that. Secondly, I want to say, as a mom, part of what we're doing is training, right? 
training. That means that you don't just tell them once because they really don't have the brain capacity to learn it once. They, they, and we think they do, quite frankly. We put what, how we process things to how they process it. But you know that, you know why your kid gets your health insurance till they're 26? Right? They do because their brain is not fully developed and those frontal lobe things aren't closed up right until they turn 26. That means, well, we'll leave that alone. (laughs) That means Bronco still has a ways to go. The brother who's working with the kids and not here. So, so, so part of what we do is we train and we need to train the, the selfishness out of them. That's our job as a mom. How do we do that? That's the good question. How do we train them not to be selfish? Because we're all selfish creatures. And sometimes their selfishness made me mad because it inconvenienced me. (laughs) And that was me being selfish, right? It's just this snowball of stuff. So how do we train them to be selfish? Unselfish. (laughs) Selfish, we don't have to train. But one of the things that we did, I remember, I think I've said this before if you've come to seminar. In the summer, when the kids got home from school at four, In the summer, when the kids were done with school and they were all home, it was four against one, right? And, I mean, there were times when I had one in high school, junior high, and two in elementary, or one in college, high school, elementary, junior high. I mean, we crossed all levels at all times. So I remember feeling outnumbered, so I thought, i got to do something here because I can't go all summer with that. So I, being a teacher, I picked a theme for the summer. We always had a theme, and I tried to do a theme verse. And one year we did serve others, serve each other. We hated it. It was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Serve others, serve each other. So in the summer, we tried to do things where we reached out in our community to serve others, which there's lots of opportunities there, right? And we took them on a missions trip or whatever. And then... uh, serve each other, like ways that they could get caught serving each other and being kind to each other. So there were rewards based on being kind, and there were punishments, so to speak, on not being kind um, to each other. Like they might have to reach into the penalty box and pull out a penalty, which could be 15 minutes straight jumping on the trampoline. Seriously, because it's the energy that gets them in trouble sometimes, right? So 15 minutes on the trampoline or five laps around the house or go upstairs and write your grandparents a note. (laughs) We did that one too. I was like the Waltons. Go write 50 Bible verses. No, no, I didn't do that. So so training as well as remembering that you're normal in sibling rivalry. So how do you guys want to respond? Any responses? They're still all alive. (laughs) <laughs> right? They are. Yeah? No, he wants to say something. I remember, like, when I was, I think, a junior in high school and my brother was in the eighth grade, we fought, like, every day, like, really bad. Like, just constantly yelling at each other, getting on each other's nerves, and, like, we could not get along. Like, he was invading my territory, um, like, because his best friend was a freshman in high school, and he was coming to my youth group, and this is my selfishness. Um, and um, I just, like, 
yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was really, really bad for a long time. Um, just like this one year where we just could not get along at all. And then he came to high school and we had to share everything, a car, youth group, a school, and we became best friends. It was like this like switch, like just happened when we were four, when I, it was like, it's here finally, like I have to share it. And then now, like, we're really good friends, and we have been for a long time. It just, like, took us getting through, like, all the selfishness, like, on my part mostly, I would say, like, more than his, um, for us to, you know, like, really become good friends. And we did things like we had a, a family car for the kids. So, for the younger kids. For the younger kids. <laughs> well, we couldn't afford it when we had you guys. But we tried a family car, a family cell phone for a while when cell phones just came out. Um, and that took some of the pressure off of who had the car. But I can see pictures of Caleb. It's snowed. There's ice on everything. He's out getting the, scraping the ice off the windshield. And she's trying to get ready to go to school. And he'd get all mad, like, how come I have to scrape the ice? And she'd be like, because I give you a ride to school. You could take the bus, you know? <laughs> so it all leveled itself out eventually. So, yeah. Any other any comments or other questions on Yeah. Let's give her the mic. Yes. So I've heard uh, you and your husband speak before previous summers about parenting, which um, has been really encouraging to me because you talk about swimming upstream and recognizing that you've got to be different and the standards that you set for your home. And I've adopted that into our home and how we make decisions. Um, and I know that all you girls and your brother had limitations and requirements, like youth group. I think at the time you said you required them to go to a Christian university. That if they want it paid for. Oh, okay, good, good. Um, and And... I have that in my home with my son who's super intense. We have just made a decision. We're never having video games in this house. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's a social cachet, especially for boys. And um, he's come to accept it. And what we try to do is really focus on staying connected with the boys and having lots of family fun. But we do have a lot of rules, and we are definitely different. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, the fear on the mom's side is, they're going to resent me. They're going to, you know, when they get older, they're going to be like, because you didn't let me do this, you know, I'm not going to follow Jesus. And all I try to tell myself is I'm just doing the best I can. I will find out in the future, like, <laughs> which ones were good ones and which ones were bad ones. I just have to do the best I can and stay connected and have lots of fun and just keep telling them we're different, we're different, we're different. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know the girls as adults now, how do you see that? Because I imagine that's what your family was like. Yeah. So my definition of courage, when I talk about mom courage, and I said as a mom, I'm a, I continually need courage. And courage is the ability to act fully on what I believe, even when I'm afraid. Or when I'm not sure of the outcome. The ability to act fully on what I believe, what the Holy Spirit moves me to do, right? And I say, how can I impart any wisdom to them if I haven't spent time on my knees before the Lord, right? So those are the pieces of walking against culture is a hard thing, and I cannot do it without courage from Jesus. I just can't. 
Um, and that has been hard. There were no video games in our home, except the Wii. We did that. We did the Wii. And we st still do like Mario Kart and fun things like that. But no video games in our home. And for me, I mean, we never really talked about it. But um, we lived in Colorado. And I can't tell you how we, our family has walked through a school shooting. Noel was in that. And it has affected us tremendously. And I just personally, I attribute so much of that to video games. I just cannot pull away that age of male kid that is shooting people constantly in just the state of Colorado. And that doesn't mean it's not everywhere else. We, we know that from social media these days. But that was a big piece for me. There are reasons we don't allow things in our home. And we were careful to make sure that the homes they were in walked the same road. Because you can send them to a friend's house and they're on them anyway. Now, now they're in college or whatever. I don't have control over that. But So one thing that came to mind as you were talking was one of the things that made our family feel different was kind of the restrictions we had over what we were allowed to watch and music that we were allowed to listen to. I remember getting my first NSYNC CD and my dad read through the whole jacket cover to make sure it was okay. He let me keep it, but... Um, and I think as we got, you know, older, things, you know, their um, requirements changed a little, but yeah, I'd be... You know, and even at school, and they'd show a movie I knew I wouldn't be allowed to watch or something. And I remember a couple times asking, hey, can I go sit in the library? Um, and I felt different. And for me, that was my own choice. I didn't have to do that. Um, but I think when I think back on, on those years, and I think I didn't really listen to a lot of secular music, um, that's a whole era of music I don't even know um, when my friends sing it now. Um, and not that we were never allowed to listen to secular yeah. music, but anyway, I'm kind of on a tangent. But what was cool is when we went to college, my parents said, okay, now you're on your own. You know, like now you really get to make this decision for yourself and you can take our wisdom and what we asked of you and you can, you know, make up your own path, you know, for this. So um, I still, I, mean, I think that really has informed kind of what I do watch and listen to, and it's not, I'm not always great about it. Um, but even if it's like, oh, it's an R-rated movie, let's not just go watch that on a whim. You know, let's, if we really think we should see it, then let's go. But they don't even watch R-rated movies still. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that just kind of came to mind. And thankfully, it's something I don't think any of us resent. Um, but we also weren't exactly rebellious or anything like that. So, yeah. Another question? Yes. Did you want to respond? Maybe. Go. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, similar, like, there were certain restrictions on, like, things we would be able to, like, read or watch, and, like, our friends would all be into it, and I would complain at the time, but then, like, when I did get to college, it was like, some of my friends, their parents never built that in them. So they just watch anything and read anything and listen to anything. And they're representing Christ. And they don't look any different from the culture around them. Like they don't, you know, and that's something I've struggled with a little bit is being a little judgmental but um, with that. But it's like 
it, you know, it's like I was built in with this radar that was like, this wouldn't be good for me. This wouldn't be honoring to Christ. And I have that built in because I was trained that way. Like there would be shows where she, my, my mom would be like, I don't want you to watch this because I don't like the attitude. Like Disney shows. I don't like the attitude of the way the kids speak to their parents. And they always gave us that reason because it was like, it wasn't like, don't watch the show. It was like, we don't like this and we see it come out in you. And, and so, and I've realized like even like when I came home um, this semester, I was re-watching Gilmore Girls, which I love. And, um, but the way that Lorelai talks to her mother in that show is incredibly disrespectful. And I started speaking to my mother that way. And so I stopped watching it. And it's like, as an adult, I can see that in me. Like, because it was trained in me so young. And if, I mean, like, we had a little bit where we were struggling. And the way that I would speak to her would be very disrespectful. And I realized that I was modeling what I was watching. And what we watch and what we put into our hearts really comes out in our actions. Phew. I, I would say that we weren't perfect in that, and and some kids may rebel against that. Okay, I mean in reality, ours did not. Even your son. Even our son. He's probably. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this also, though. I will say this also. <laughs> he is pretty straight laced. I will say this, it has been hard because what, what we have to train and retrain in our hearts and in our kids' heart is the attitude of judgment. True? Because we judge those that don't live their faith out the same way. And that's really hard. And, and um, so we work at that. Like, don't, don't judge. They live their faith in Jesus differently. And they need to because there's someone out there that needs Jesus, and they're going to hear it that way, not our way. So we, we really do try to, to, to work on that. But that's the truth of who we are. So when I look at you, no, I'm kidding. I work so hard. It's grace, 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 grace. We're working on that all the time as a Romberger. And so anyway, another question. Yes, back in the back. Way to go, Mom. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's shutting me down right at the moment when I kind of want to be imparting some 
How old is he? Okay. Yes. So, yeah. No. How many moms get that? So you're normal. I had someone say that to me because I was having problems with Bronco that way. And she said, this is good. I said, no. -uh. <laughs> no. -uh. And she's all, yes, no, this is good. Because he's learning to be a man and he's learning to start to spread his wings. And he doesn't want mom's wisdom anymore. He wants to figure out who he is as a man. And because you don't have a man figure right there in your home, it's going to seem a little harder. But it's so natural and it's so important. As long as he can do it respectfully. And that may be a conversation of... I know that you're becoming a man, and I know that as mom, you don't want him to be a mama's boy. You don't. And, and, and you can tell him, I don't want you to be a mama's boy. But I feel like God still has some things for me to give you. So when you want to listen, I have them for you. You know? And there may be softer moments when it, his friends aren't, you know, he hasn't just been with them or whatever. But love that he's starting to spread his wings. He'll get out there and he'll call you. <laughs> Mom, what do I do with this? You know, or in our house, he calls dad because it's all sports related. But when it comes to paying the school bill, he calls me because that's what I do. So I hope that helps. It's normal. It's a conversation of no matter who you are, you speak respectfully, right, to authority, to mom, to whatever. But I understand that this is a time that you need to be a man. So rise up. Yeah. All right, let's just to, to go to a new topic as we look here. Um, and I want to talk about um, um, listening, loving and listening to our kids. So that's the topic that you can ask your question to. I'm going to give it to this one because I know she has a few things to say. Any questions? Yes, in the back. Just a very, I guess, a practical one where I have one that will talk all day. Mm -hmm. And the minute she's home from school or the minute she's in the car mm -hmm. and picked up from school, it's all the minute, it's, it's like boring <laughs> stuff. But she just will talk and talk. And then I, my, my, 50, my almost 15-year-old boy will just be like, it's fine. I think he would like to talk more. but And, and then when he does talk, she just talks. How do you listen to the question is a verbal processor daughter and a non-processor son? How do, how do you encourage one to process more and one to process less? Right? That's the question. Noelle, would you like to answer that? Because <laughs> she's smart in this. This is good. This has been our struggle. Yeah, I... I have a lot of words, as I said before, um, and it takes me a while to get to my point. And oftentimes, like, don't laugh. <laughs> not helping. We I love can't. her. <laughs> um, and I, like, 
sometimes I have to talk in circles or say something multiple ways for me to get my point across. Like in my mind, I have to do that. Um, in the moment someone says, I get it, it's like, oh, like it breaks my thought process completely. And that's kind of the closing down. It's like, I have like all of these things in my head and I can't process them if I don't say them out loud. And sometimes I have to say the same thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to say the same thing four times, four different ways for me to fully get it, like in my own head. And otherwise, like if I don't say those things out loud, then I am. Um, what? No, finish your thought. <laughs> <laughs> now you're messing me up. <laughs> <laughs> I just messed with her, her process. <laughs> so what have we done to help each other in that or not help? Gone to dad is the answer. <laughs> Dad's a better listener. Dad's a very sure. good listener. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been able to express like, hey, like I'm not done yet. <laughs> um, or she'll be like, like, or I, I'm trying to think how we specifically have done it. But I mean, for me, sometimes it, it'll take me longer to get to my point. And when I get cut off or someone thinks they fully understand what I'm saying, but I haven't even gotten to the end. Like, it's hurtful for me to get cut off. Like, she doesn't feel fully understood. Yeah, I don't feel like I've been able to say everything that I need to say. And I'll. <laughs> and We're laughing because Aubrey's roommate, Aaron, is here, and Aaron's a verbal processor, too. So. I um, and so I, I think a lot of it with me and my mom is my mom's much more straightforward and blunt and not in a bad way. That's actually good a lot of the time. Um, not always, but a lot of the time is good. And, um, and, and I can tell when she's not listening to me, <laughs> that's for sure. And, um, I, and I will say, mom, you're not listening to me. And, like, she can bring her attention back. But just, like, expressing, like, hey, like, what I'm saying, like, I'm very passionate about this and I really want you to pay attention to it. Um, if I get really passionate about something, like, if you start talking to me about musicals or anything, it's just, like, I could talk for hours about it because I love it and I want to share that with the people I know. But some people, it's too much for them. And that's hurtful for me because I process that way. And I love to share about it and I have a lot to say about it. So, Noelle is learning through just one, identifying it, right? Identifying she knows she's a verbal processor. So if, if we're in a situation where I don't have the time to listen to it the whole way, I can tell her that. Like, okay, I have this much time and I wanna hear what you have to say. But another thing that we've learned is verbal processors don't always want an answer. And I'm a fixer. By nature. So I want to fix whatever it is she's graciously telling me. And um, I can't. She'll say, and so she, we've learned together for her to say ahead of time, I don't want you to fix this. Okay, then I can just listen. And sometimes I'll say, I think your dad needs to hear this one. <laughs> you know, go tell dad. And she knows, she knows if she's got something long and, and long to say, <laughs> that she'll go to dad first instead of me because he's far more gracious to listen or talk on the phone or whatever when she's out of town. So that has been one of the ways to identify it, go, go with it, know our personalities. Some of you have that with your husband. You're a verbal processor and your husband is a fixer. 
I am far more like a man in that way where I just would rather fix it and not hear it. And I've learned to have to listen to the meaning and understand what she's really saying. And one of the 15 ways she'll say it, one of them I'll catch and say, oh, that's what she's trying to tell me. Yeah. Getting them to say something. When the verbal processor is like, how do you how do you pull out the one that's in the shadow? Yes, <laughs> I call dad too, just not at the same time. Yeah, any Megan can probably speak to that more. Well, I just think about um, watching the two of them, and Aubrey is more along the lines of um, just being a little bit quieter or not sharing or processing. And for her, I think that that happened when she wasn't around Noelle. So like having that alone time, mm-hmm. um, I think that Aubrey would go on a lot of drives with dad or walks or whatever. Um, or even the two of us would go sometimes, but I'm not the parent, so. They were definitely tight. My way of processing is if I'm upset or if I'm anxious, I have to get out and I have to go fast. So when I was younger, I'd get out and ride my bike. And when I was older, dad got to ride in the front seat um, while I drove. Um, Even after I had my license, oftentimes my processing would come out late at night and it wasn't necessarily safe for me to drive fast at night by myself. So he would go with me and I just had to learn sometimes to be able to say, hey, I need to go for a drive and he was very good, but sometimes he'd be like, hey, tonight's not the best night, and sometimes I'd just have to say, no, we're going for a drive. Like, this is happening, and we would go, and he was always very good about that, but I had to learn of when I really needed to speak um, to really fight for that time to be able to have that um, because it didn't always, it wasn't very natural for me. Mm-hmm. I think, too, with boys especially, and then dad can answer, um, is learning to ask questions that don't, get a yes or no answer. Open-ended questions. That's really important for boys. Because otherwise, you just get grunts sometimes. Dad, did you want to comment on that? Yeah, I'm allowed to speak in this room. I know. The only Moya here. Mic on a mic. I would just say, every kid is a verbal processor. They just have, some have more words than others. You got to figure out what their process is. Yeah. So for Noelle, it could be just long conversations. Aubrey, it was the drive. Megan, it's alone in her room, you know, and, and Caleb, it's playing catch. You know, it's, you just got to figure out what it is for your kid, and then you got to spend the time and, you, and, and, and to do that because they all process differently. So. Amen. And I did process with them. I don't want you to think it was only dad. <laughs> you know that's true. All right, so. This question goes both ways for Jane and for the girls. What were, Jane, for you, what were some questions that you found helpful to draw, you know, your girls out and Caleb out? And then girls, what were some questions that your parents asked you that helped you to feel love and loved and seen and appreciated, like they wanted to know more about who you were? Those are good questions. Good. I was afraid to give her the mic because I said you can't ask me any questions. You can ask the girls, but... I, I, I think asking your kids good questions is a really important thing as a mom. So instead of fearing friendships that they have, ask them questions. Like, who, tell me about your friend. 
I, I remember Avery. That's who I'm thinking of. Tell me about your friend Avery. What do you like about her? What do you, what do you have problem? How, how is she difficult for you? What do you know about her family? Um, what does she like to watch? How could we encourage her? So good questions to draw out what's going on in a friendship with them and another kid. Just open-ended questions would be one of my thoughts on that. I think some of my favorite conversations with my parents were kind of dreaming about the future. They would ask me, um, you know, what are you excited about for this? Or um, even thinking a little later on, talking about college, talking about boys, um, those kinds of things were kind of what got me excited and got me talking um, with them. Um, obviously, every stage is different, um, but that's just kind of what comes to mind in some of some of those bigger conversations. Um, and yeah, just dreaming. So, yeah. Any other comments? Okay, sorry, Sarah, that's all you get. <laughs> yes. I have a question. Yes. So I've got kids all ages, but right now my daughter's 19, so I'm transitioning. She's finding the Lord. She led the sermon this morning. They're here. Oh, yeah. So as a mom, I'm praying, Lord, meet them at every turn, you know, uh, bust them when they need to be busted, or yeah. whatever it is. So um, from a, your point of view, what's my daughter thinking? I mean, she's here. She's got the bright orange hair. Okay, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just like, I'm letting it go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So from your point of view, discovering who you are, your faith formation, give me some insight, like, how can I just love her? I'm, I'm not, I don't tell her what to do anymore. She comes to me, we talk about stuff, but right. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. with the choices she's making, I'm like, oh, so, you know. Yeah, but any she's insight, an adult, yeah. I think that age for me personally is when my relationship with my mom drastically changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, high school years were a bit rough, especially learning to drive. Um, Dad and, got that one too. <laughs> um, but it was the first time where it was like, my mom is my friend. And she's still my mom. Um, but she's become one of my very best friends. Mm -hmm. And... It's just, and I know that doesn't happen with every relationship, every mother-daughter relationship. Um, but I think, first of all, it's great that you have that sense of, um, let her like, go, let, let her, her go, free. let her do, you know, let her come to you when she needs that. Um, and everyone's different. Um, but yeah, I think that we really began to make some big strides there um, throughout those kind of very young adult years, so... And we still work on the same issues. Like I went to help her and when she moved in her new house. And at one spot point in the week, she's like, Mom, your opinions are so strong. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> what do you want me to paint? What color? <laughs> she has beautiful taste. But you know what I'm saying? I st we still have some of those because we're both female. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I am not someone who's very good at talking on the phone, um, which I've had to really work through with my parents, but especially like my first year at college, I didn't call for like over two months because I was doing really well. 
Um, and that was something that I had to prove to myself that I could do by myself on my own without that, which I learned was very hurtful um, uh, because I didn't call every single day um, like someone else did. And <laughs> she called me if I didn't call her. Um, so my big thing was of, yes, having that relationship, but I knew who to call when I wasn't doing well. So seasons that I was struggling a little bit more, they're definitely the ones that I did choose to call. Um, and so I think we just kind of had this thing where it was like, if I'm not calling on a regular basis, that I'm doing well. Um, and then, but I know that they're there for when I do need them, if that's helpful. I don't know. So much of it is just open communication. Like, you know, you know your family and you know how things work. And you've communicated well through the years. So you know, I can take this to mom or I can take this to dad. You know, you know how it's going to fall out. One more and then we'll be done. Yeah, I, moving back in to the house this year was a, an adjustment for me. But I think I was able to because um, of that like distance I've had and like that freedom to like kind of figure out who I am because I am four, four, four years out of high school moving back in with my parents. And... Um, and, um, but having that, like being able to figure out who you are apart from your parents and your own community with your own friends, it's like you lo still love your parents and you want their opinion on things and you want to call them, but you also want to figure it out. You want to fail almost in a sense on some things, some things you don't want to fail, but you want to like be like, okay, that didn't work. You're learning how to go to bed because you have to regulate your own bedtime and like those things that like you never, you know, your parents, they gave you boundaries and rules and now you have your own you have to make that for yourself and that can be challenging and I like definitely did not always do a good job of that especially my first like year of college in particular loved staying up late loved watching Netflix hated doing my homework like um, but then as I, I adjusted I was able to kind of get in my own groove and become my own person and I'm still figuring that out um, and I felt like I had the freedom to do that. Like I wasn't being like like suffocated by my parents, yet they were still there as a support and I could call them whenever I needed to. Um, and even just to just chat or if I needed them, like I had that, I have that freedom. Like of like, they're my friends, but they're also still my parents and they have a lot of wisdom and advice to give and sometimes I need it. Um, and... And they're, they're, they're there for that. So then, like, moving back in, it was like I knew what I needed almost. It was like, hey, like, please don't tell me to make my bed. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll try to do it every day. But some days I'm late. I'm running late. I'm, or I don't want to. And I don't want that regulation because I'm becoming my own person now. But now she's in my guest room, right? It's not her bedroom anymore. So it was never becomes, my bedroom. There becomes this tension. So we have a code word. Company's Company. coming. <laughs> That's the code word. <laughs> That's the code word. Company's coming. That means she's got to clean her bathroom and clean up her room. And Well, no, I, I usually no, no. only did it if Anthony was coming. Yeah. And I, but it could be, it could be my next door neighbor dropping over for a cup of coffee. You know, seriously. So I mean, but I wanna, I'm not I wanna, that, I'm not that messy though. No, like, you're not. I, None of you I've are. been pretty good. I trained them yeah. in that. Um, it was actually something I had said too. It was like, I understand that this is your house and that when people come over, you want it to look nice. And so like please let me know, but please don't tell me to make my bed. <laughs> like, that is just like, every, so it sets morning, me to high here. school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I want to close our time because it's 
it's time. But I just want to say there are other huge areas that we dealt with, with anxiety in our family, uh, a lot of anxiety in our kids and, and us, and um, other kinds of issues that, I mean, we could go all day, but you want to eat and play with your children. So, um, but there's in no way do I want to say that we're perfect in any way. We just, we, we, we took the faith that Jesus gave us, and we want to be followers of his. And we want our children to follow him. Why? We don't want to just say it's a ch- your choice. We want them to follow Jesus because it's eternal stakes. Um, so we, we gave them every opportunity, and we love them to him as much as possible. We weren't perfect in it. We have stuff we still deal with all the time. But, um, but God is faithful, and he has been good, and he has been faithful to us through the years. And I can just say following Jesus works. It works. And you can do it. And he is going to work in your life, and you're going to see transformation in your own heart, transformation in your kids' hearts. I tell one story of praying at a kid's bed for 30 days because there was an issue that that child had. And after 30 days, that issue was completely gone. No, it was not gone. That child still has issues in that area. But my heart changed because I met with the Lord for 30 days on that issue. He had to fix me. Again, you know, heart surgery all over again. So anyway, those are my words to encourage you as you go forward. Live out your faith even when you're afraid and depend on God. He's going to tell you. He's going to direct your path he, and your steps. He tells you he will and he does. He is faithful. All right, so go forth. Get those kids. Love on your husbands. Have a good day. You're welcome.